Hello, Word in the Hill listeners. This is Scott Powell on behalf of Father Peter Mustett and myself. Thank you so much for listening. In honor of our nation's Independence Day, we are uh, taking the Thursday off. So you are listening to, or you're about to listen to, a recording of the podcast, not from three years ago, but from six years ago. So this is a finely seasoned episode that has been heavily edited. Uh, but this is a, a vintage, as we call it. So anyway, uh, we'll be back live with a brand new episode next week. And until then, please keep us in your prayers. Happy Fourth of July. Yeah, what's up, dog? We are back in the basement. Back in the basement. We are the word on the hill in the basement. And that we're actually like word in the hill. In the hill? Yeah, yeah. Cause Not on. Because I mean, like we're like we're oh, because the basement is sort of basement. sunken. Yeah, yeah, it's a half sunken basement though. It throws me off though because we have a back door right there. I know, so it's got the sunken garden feeling. Yeah, it is. We're the word in the hill. We're the lanky guys. I'm Scott Powell, and I'm Father Peter Massive, and we are back together. All right, so we are going into the 14th Sunday. I'm an old Jewish woman all of a sudden. Of ordinary, of ordinary time. time. You never call. I'm sorry. You don't have a call. So we're 14th Sunday of Ordinary Time, and our readings this week are coming from Isaiah chapter 66, whoop, whoop. verse 10 through 14. Uh, they come from Psalm 66. Whoa, check that out. Yeah, and, and Galatians 6. What? And, I didn't notice that. Already. And Luke 10. And Luke 10. <laughs> <laughs> so the 66s. Woo. Rolling no, 66s. I was going to say it adds up to 666, but it doesn't. It adds up to 6666. Which six, is six 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 six, which is the devil's license plate number. <laughs> Dude, I got a new license plate, and you did? I did because they were so confused. I actually got pulled over once, and they were so confused by the situation with my license plates. What was the situation with your license plates? I don't know. I've had to get new license plates like every year for <laughs> since I've had what? my car, and my new ones. Uh, the last letters are ZHL, and that stands for Zombie Hockey League. Yeah, baby. are you in it? Yeah, you the goalie. I, I am, dude. And it goes like this: it goes, brains, puck, red brains, <laughs> puck, brains. Is that a thing, or are you just making that up? I'm just making. It I up. never know if I'm if you're giving a pop pop culture reference that I just don't get, or if you're just being funny. No, you, I, dude. This so is. I just a, assume that you're super witty, but maybe you're stealing all this from. I'm such YouTube. a I'm such a thespian that I was in a marriage preparation <laughs> meeting today, and I was like doing an accent of some variety, as nice. you know that I will, will am prone to do. Whenever and, you start doing accents, they always kind of degenerate into the same Russian guy, <laughs> <laughs> who I like a lot. Oh, this is very good. <laughs> there he is. And uh, and um and and so and so they they were like, is that from a movie? And that's the biggest compliment you can pay to a guy who likes to do accents. Oh, totally. Because it means nice that work. I'm doing something that sounds so official that somebody probably used it in a movie. Hey. Dude, we tried to get into these readings, okay. and what happened? Isaiah. We like degraded. Yeah, how did that happen? I don't know, man. I don't know either. All right, let's get into them. Isaiah sixty six, sixty six. So Isaiah, we've talked about Isaiah lots before. Another crash course on Isaiah. Isaiah is split into two parts, right? First yes. part, chapters one through chapters one through thirty-nine. Everybody with us? So chapters one through thirty-nine is the bad news, right? Israel has been sinful. Jerusalem will be destroyed. You, you're going to be hauled off to the nations because of your sin, your infidelity. And then chapters forty through sixty-six. That's where I was confused. 
Oh. 40 through 66 is known as the book of comfort. It's the good news. So after the punishment comes, which is inevitable because we're sinners and things happen, after the punishment comes, God will rebuild Israel. So 40 starts, starts. it begins by saying, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. So it's the book of comfort is what it's called. Yep. So we're, our reading comes from the very, very end of the good news. Actually, one of the first, it might actually be the first place in the Bible that the word euangelion or gospel, good news appears really? is in the book of Isaiah. I don't think it appears prior to that, but I think the first place it appears is, is Isaiah, which is some people actually call Isaiah the fifth gospel because it is so explicitly about the Messiah. And there's so much information that's being poured about who Jesus is and what he's going to do and the suffering servant and everything else. So it, it really sheds this tremendous light on what God is going to do. The good news. What is the good news, right? Yeah. So here at the end of Isaiah chapter 66, we get this very, very tangible, very concrete experience of what the, what. It's very concrete. It, but it says, thus says the Lord, rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad because of her. All of you who love her, exalt, exalt with her. All of you who are mourning over her. Who is mourning over Jerusalem at this point in Israel's history? Everybody. Because Israel has just recently been destroyed. Or I guess in Isaiah's time, it's just being foretold. Israel is about to be, I'm sorry, Jerusalem is about to be uh, destroyed. There, there we are. It's about to crumble to the ground. The whole book of Lamentations, right? The one that comes after Jeremiah is literally a funeral dirge. Dirge? Dirge. 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 It's a funeral dirge <laughs> for the city of Jerusalem because it was understood to be a family member. It was a person. It was personified. So Jerusalem is going to be destroyed, so says Isaiah. But this says after that happens, after your mourning, there's actually going to be rejoicing. So there's good news to this. It says, oh, and that's where we get to, oh, oh, that you may suck fully at the milk of her comfort, that you may nurse with delight at her abundant breasts. And I feel uncomfortable reading it, but it's I, the Bible, so it's I cool. Well, and it's it's actually, if you think about it, I mean, like, yes. you, you just pull it away from uh, anything that's funny, and you think about how wonderful a, a nursing mother is, like, and how, like, beautiful and... Um, and how comforting that is to a child. Which, by the way, I have a friend whose mother... Um, Works at the um, the uh, Denver milk Breast bank. Milk Bank. Yeah. Yes, I know it well. Yeah, well, yeah. That came out weird. <laughs> yes, I'm familiar with it. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. And uh, and 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 I remember having this conversation about how like how there's like certain chemistry in breast milk that actually really like yes. it it has like endorphins or yeah. some some sort of special sauce in it. Um, that's true. That adds like profound comfort to a child. It's totally true. It's it's like, and it helps developmentally. I mean, there's so many things that are going on in breast milk. I mean, it's showing the design of God for the human body. It's it's incredible stuff. And dude, I this is the crazy one. So I was talking to a, um Dr. Mario Chavez, and yeah, he, yeah. he was telling me about how um women when they smell the poopy diapers, um of their of their children, okay. the smell of the poop actually um, helps uh, reformulate the chemistry of their breast milk to provide proper nutrients. Really? Yeah, dude, it's crazy. So if it's if it's too base, if it's too acidic, that it'll really? that, that the the breast milk will actually adapt to the nutritional That's needs of the baby. Isn't that mind blowing? That's not the effect it has on fathers. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can vouch for that. Yeah, no. Wow. That's beautiful. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine the picture, you know, picture a baby crying. And a little baby crying, their mother comes and comforts them. That's that's what Israel is being described, a crying baby because they're sad because they've been ripped away from from their home. So he says all these things. Lo, it continues, I will spread 
prosperity over Jerusalem like a river and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing torment. As nurses Tor- torrent, away. torrent. What did I say? Torment. <laughs> <laughs> the wealth of the nations like an overflowing oh, torment. torment. Ah! Uh, but like a mother comforts her child, so I'll comfort you. In Jerusalem, you'll find your comfort. When you see this, your heart shall rejoice and your bodies flourish like the grass. The Lord's power will be known. It, it, one thing I just think is interesting, whenever grass, usually when the term grass shows up, yeah, I'm going to keep going on grass. Whenever grass shows up in the book of Isaiah, uh-huh. it's actually usually used in a negative context. Oh. Remember there's that line in Isaiah, I don't remember what, what chapter, but it says all flesh is, is like grass. So it's fleeting, it's, it's perishing. So what Isaiah has actually done is not only flipped what's going to happen to the people of Israel and Jerusalem, but it's actually flipped its own imagery. So even the negative imagery is actually turned into a positive. So the flesh that was going to kind of crumble away like grass, now it's grass that's going to be blossoming. So the metaphors are actually transforming. That's how powerful what God's going to do. Dude, that's awesome. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I just thought of that as I was sitting here. Sweet. That's it. Ooh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's Isaiah. It's cool. Yeah. Anything to add? Um, other I don't than, have any. <laughs> no, th- this is the thing: is we better warn you that there's no, there's no coherent. No, um, there's one. We're gonna find it before we're done. Okay, we're gonna search and promise. probe. Okay, we're gonna probe. Sometimes when you speak out loud and when you converse with another, yeah, it comes to the light. It comes to the surface, dude. That's why we actually get together and do this. That Cause, actually is because, it, and it's happened more than once to us. So Lord, be on your way, please, and Come help on, us. Lord. Okay, so this is Psalm 66, 1 through 3, 4 through 5, 6 through 7, 16, 20. <laughs> yeah. Everybody got that? <laughs> Good. All right. So Psalm 66, the responsorial is, let all the earth cry to God with joy. Um, again, trying to think, how do, you, how do you link this to Isaiah? Well, one of the things I, I think is kind of fascinating. So listen to this. Excuse me. I've got the hiccups. Well, we'll call them the hiccups. Because <laughs> we're on the air. But... <laughs> It's always fun doing these late at night. It really, it? it really I remember is. Remember the last time we did this late at night? We had <laughs> reviews because we're slap happy and ridiculous. I know. My brother loves it when this happens. Like this. Neil. Neil was on last week. Yeah. Shout out to Neil. But what? Who sounds exactly like Ira Glass from This American Life? Dude, yeah. Don't, doesn't he? he I mean, he's your brother, so maybe you don't catch it. But. He does. He does. Somebody, somebody said that um, he has the same laugh as me, but definitely not the same voice. It was voice. you that said that on the podcast last week. <laughs> We're trying to figure out who that was. <laughs> we can go back and listen to it if you want to. Okay, yeah. We can that. You do okay. have the exact same laugh. It was ridiculous. No, that was actually a little terrifying to me. <laughs> Did you listen to it? Yeah, yeah. I was listening to it and, and it like it like it like harmonized. It was ridiculous. I had and, to, and I was looking at on GarageBand on a software that we used to edit this stuff and the lines were, were matching up perfect <laughs> they were perfectly parallel lines on both of your tracks. It was ridiculous. Uh, that's totally bizarre, man. Yeah, it is. Okay. So let the earth cry out to God with joy, which is actually what it's doing, remember, at the tail end of Isaiah. The earth is crying the grass is crying out because God will eventually save his people, right? Yes. And then it goes on, shout joyfully to the Lord. All the earth sing praise to the glory of his name, praise his wondrous name. The next stanza it says, Let all the earth worship and sing praise to you. Actually, let's jump to the third stanza. <laughs> I missed it. Okay. He has changed the sea into dry land. Through the river they passed on foot. Therefore, let us rejoice in him. His rules, he rules by his might forever. What does that remind you of? He has changed the, the sea into dry land through the river they passed on foot. Does that evoke anything biblically for you? Exodus. Movement of the people. Yes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is Exodus language, right? So it, it's actually a psalm all about the Exodus. And I think it's interesting 
that the the wisdom of the church has connected this psalm, which is really all about the Exodus, to which has already happened, of course. Yes, it's connecting it to our first reading, which is actually pointing ahead toward a new Exodus that is yet to come, when Israel will be freed from all of her oppressors. I mean, what happened in the Exodus? Well, what happened? I mean, what, what's what's the Exodus in a nutshell? Uh, God setting his people from slavery. That's what I was setting hoping, his people free, free from slavery. That's what I was hoping you'd say because I think that I think that's what mo, I think that's what ninety nine percent of everyone would say, but I don't think that's fundamentally what the Exodus was, <laughs> dude. I, I'm sorry, I tricked you. Just, I duped you, you and you let yourself be duped. I did. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to trick you, but I was happy you said that There's because a spear of holly in my heart. No, no. But we missed something. I mean, think about the Exodus. Yeah. yeah. What? How would think? Put yourself in the shoes of a Jewish person. The Exodus, yes, they were set free from their slavery in Egypt to do what? Uh, come into the promised land. To come into the promised land. I mean, remember, it was the promised land. That that was the promise given way back in Genesis 12, for Pete's sake. Touché. So the Exodus is always about freedom from, but not just freedom from, it's also freedom for. for. And this is the Christian idea, right? Yes. We're never just freed from something, which is how the world looks at freedom. It's just liberation. I can do whatever I want to. We're always set free for. So the Exodus is all about being brought into a promised land. So what's the first reading about? It's about the land literally being restored and rebuilt after the slavery that's kind of engulfed it in a certain sense, right? But yeah, yeah. dude, dude touche, man. You just like dude, you're like the bomb. No, you're the bomb. <laughs> no, you are. No, man. What's no, my really name? Are. What's my name? Father Peter Father the bomb. That my my brother taught me that if you ever get in like you're the man, you're the man, you're the bomb argument, you just to end it, you just say what's my name? Peter. And that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that okay. tomorrow. But here's, I, I discovered something. I was digging into the, the Psalms. And um, so, uh, you know, most of the Psalms begin with the words, you know, to the choir master, a song of, you know, whatever it says. David or... Yeah, Psalm of David or something like that. Well, I discovered that in some of the ancient Greek manuscripts, so remember the Bible, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. Later on, it was translated into Greek. That was the Septuagint, and then thereafter. In some of the very, very ancient Greek translations of the Psalms, they've actually taken out the words to the choir master or, you know, a psalm of whatever. And on Psalm 66, some of the Greek manuscripts put in the word Anastasios, Anastasios, which means of the resurrection. And so the early church, presumably it's the early church, very early on in all of these manuscripts, rewrote the title of Psalm 66 to be a psalm all about the resurrection. But if you read it, it's about the Exodus. It's about what God did to his people, which shows the Christian mindset that they're saying, no, 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 this is about Christ being risen from the dead. That's the freedom. That's the walking on dry land, you know, passing through the water, all these things. I just thought that was kind of fascinating that actually a majority of the ancient Greek manuscripts that we have from archaeologists have that title on it, Anastasios of the Resurrection. I just thought that was cool. Dude, yeah, share that. Yeah, that's that's actually really beautiful. I am. Um, I I'm still I'm still just from a couple of weeks ago, the whole notion of Jesus praying the Psalms to the Father. Oh yeah, totally. They totally. It just is beautiful even to think about that in the midst of this, and 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 the self identification of Jesus with Jerusalem. We see Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as the holy city, and we can actually have an identification of Jesus and Jerusalem. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, um, and so you, I will spread. Oh, you just, you might have connected the dots on something for me. 
for us for our readings today. It might be a stretch. Maybe it's too much of a stretch, but you're, you, that's that's profound. So Jesus's connection with Jerusalem, right? Um, I was talking to some of our staff. I can't wait to you. The other day, I was doing a little. We had a, we had a bye day, so I was doing a little teaching on salvation history, and we were talking about um, some stuff. And I, we were just kind of had a free for all with question and answer afterwards. And somebody asked me. They were, they were like, Scott, I don't. I never understood why um, the what is it the fourth. Well, the, the joyful mystery is when the finding, the presentation and the finding in the temple. And we talked about the presentation in the temple, what that means with Levitical priesthood and da-da-da-da. Yeah. But then this guy was like, what's the deal with the, with the finding in the temple? Why, you know, I get that that's kind of a neat event and he's teaching the rabbis, but it's this weird story about Joseph and Mary kind of losing Jesus. Why is that actually a mystery of the rosary? Isn't that kind of weird that that's considered a mystery? And I was thinking about it, and I didn't exactly know the answer right away, but the more I thought about it, and it's connected to the presentation, in the Gospel of Luke, and in the Gospel of Luke alone, Luke alone connects intimately Jesus with the temple. So remember, the, where does the Gospel of Luke begin geographically, remember? I don't remember. It's it's the story of Zechariah. Remember Zechariah? Oh, He's yeah. in the temple, and Gabriel appears to him, and he says, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the forebearer of the Messiah. Where does the Gospel of Luke end? It actually ends in the temple. It's the only one of the gospels that actually ends back in Jerusalem. Remember in all the other gospels, the Lord appears to the disciples and he says, I want you to go out to the ends of the earth. And they kind of go out and up or they're up in Galilee. It's only in the gospel of Luke that Jesus tells them to go back to Jerusalem and wait. And it ends by saying they went and they went and they, they continually worshiped in the temple. And I always wondered if that is actually meant to give you a little bit of cabin fever. Because if you've read the other gospels, you know their job is to go out to the you know, there's a new temple now. They're supposed to go outward, but the Gospel of Luke ends, and they're kind of locked up in the temple in Jerusalem, which yeah. is just kind of weird. And then remember, Acts of the Apostles is Volume Two of the Gospel of Luke. Remember where Acts of the Apostles begins? Uh, is it the Ascension? But where geographically? Where are we? Take, uh, take a wild guess. Uh, the temple. We're still in the temple, right? So think about it. The Gospel of Luke begins in the temple. The Gospel of Luke ends in the temple. Acts of the Apostles begins in the temple. Where do you think Acts ends? In the temple. I tricked you. Ha! Ah, you're duped again. Dude, I let myself be duped. <laughs> Sorry. No, do you remember, though? Where does it end? It doesn't end in the temple. I don't remember. It ends in Rome. Oh. Remember, they make their way to Rome, and eventually we read about the, the martyrdom of Peter and Paul. Yeah. So the ends in So think about it. What is the temple? Jerusalem is the centerpiece of the Jewish world, which is where the Messiah comes. Yeah. What is Rome? It's the center of the rest of the world. So it begins oh. in the center of the Jewish world. It ends in the center of the known world. But as you read through the Gospel of Luke, it's again, it's only in the Gospel of Luke. At every key moment in Jesus' sort of coming of age, he's at the temple. So his birth is sort of referenced with Zechariah in the temple. Then later on, he's taken at eight days um, for his presentation. Uh, sorry, at 40 days for his presentation in the temple. And, and Simeon and Anna, remember, see him there. And then later on, Joseph and Mary take him there when he's 12. What's he doing at 12? It's probably his bar mitzvah, his coming of age, right? So all of these key moments in Jesus's life, the gospel of Luke is trying to associate this intimacy between Jesus and the temple. And I just thought it was striking as you're, as you're saying, there's this connection that the God, that the scriptures are making between Jesus and the temple. It's only the gospel of Luke that really presses that one. Where's our gospel from today? It happens to be from Luke. Luke. 
Which I don't know if that's the connection or not. But Dude, well, I think it's interesting. I'm excited to to kind of wade our way through Galatians to see if we can get into some meat with the Luke. Got to make our way through the circumcision first. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this, I just had to say, man, this is this is um, I'm in Boulder and like, and you're in Boulder. We're in Boulder together. Here we are. And you guys, uh, technically, by listening to this podcast, have you're been transported to be Boulder. Here yeah. you are. And um, uh, and you're in the hill with us here. It's it's very earthy this this time because because we got you know like radio so it's so you guys are spared and only have one sense going <laughs> and we got breasts and circumcision and grass and grass <laughs> it's dude this is happening today man this is a big one this is luckily it's late at night for us oh and and ultimately we end up in the stigmata we do. Do we? Yeah, because this this is this is what's happening is that is that Saint Paul, he's like he's like saying, You guys, you gotta let go of this what you think it's supposed to be. Yes. Circumcision I'm circumcision it's it's he's like he's like blah <laughs> <laughs> He's like and from now on you stop making trouble for me because he's I have the stigmata. Off. Oh, for I bear the marks of Jesus on my body. You're yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I actually forgot about that line in Galatians. Yeah, that 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 he the, like so he's wow. believed to be the first stigmatist because right, he's he's been so configured to Christ that he has a, a profound special grace to bear those those marks in his body. Yeah, gosh, that's really beautiful. I mean, th- this is it, it, he's he's super ticked off in the Gala- in the letter to the Galatians because <laughs> he's just so honked. It's just it's <laughs> so human. <laughs> All time. <laughs> He is honked in the Galatians. He's honked at the Galatians. So again, remember why. There's this situation where, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, there's a group of people, probably from Jerusalem, and they're saying to the church in Galatia, this rural church in present-day Turkey, that you guys aren't legit Christians. You're not real Christians unless you are circumcised and you keep all these laws. And what's Paul saying? No, that's not true. It's not that sort of a mark that we're looking for anywhere. That was the, that was the idea at one point. But it's not any longer. And, and look, he's saying, just to prove it, look, I bear these other marks on my body. Oh. I bear that mark, too. Dude, I never made that connection. He's yeah. talking about the difference between... Cir- oh, man. I, think so. I, I didn't see it until you just said it. Dude, that's... Until you mentioned it. That's phenomenal what yeah. he just connected. I think. Yeah, because he says... Because I'm looking at it. He's had, he has a circumcised heart. Yes, and because of the because of that, he actually bears the marks of Christ. Yeah, because it's not just a circumcised heart. This isn't just a spiritual reality; it's a physical reality too. And look, yeah. my hands and my feet bear it, which is kind of a neat. That's really beautiful. Wow! This is yeah. why we have a havarim. Havarim. Okay, Luke. Luke. Okay, now I have to read this again to see if uh, <laughs> if we have anything. <laughs> About the temple. Now remind me because you've told me this before. So this is the scene where and all. I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have it, where the 72 disciples are sent out. Yeah. You told me this once before. What's the significance of 72? Well, Didn't you tell me this? Well, I mean, we're talking about the Septuagint. Yeah. And uh, when when there there's something that happens with the translation of the uh, of the Hebrew into Greek, where we take 70, there's 70 elders, elders who are brought who together. Do it, yeah. Who are who are brought together to actually translate. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh man, I, I, my brain is blank. I don't know what the 72 is. I, cause I think I have spoken of this you before. You have, and I didn't, I've never known. I've never known what the significance of 72 was. So we can, uh, we can revisit that in a later podcast. Yeah. But yeah, this is that great scene. So he takes the 72 
and um, and he sends them out in pairs, and they go out to all the towns, right? The harvest abundant, but laborers are few. And he gives those instructions. If anybody welcomes you, if any household takes you in, then you stay there and you minister there. But if they reject you, what do you do? You shake the dust off of your feet, right? Because it's not worth it. Is is there something like deeper going on with that? Because I yeah, because like that's kind of one of those things where you're looking and you're going yeah. like, okay. I mean, I, I dig it. I dig it. I mean, like, it's it's a weird, like, sign, but, like, they're they're doing the hokey pokey or something, <laughs> you know? And they're, they're sticking one leg in and shaking it down, but, like, I, I know there's got to be something more. Well, uh, there's probably more allegory. The, the fathers love allegory, but I love historical context. Um, But, I mean... This, sorry, I, I think the fathers is, love allegory, but I love historical context. I really wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> I, so I, per, I, I personally uh, like the topological. No, I, view. I'm sure there's allegory to shaking the dust off the feet, and I just don't know what it is. But yeah, here's I what I do. That. This, so actually, when I was reading this, I expected. I'm really used to the 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 version that Luke tells. I'm sorry, the version that Mark tells of the story. Yeah. And the sense the it's the same story, but the sense you get in Mark, you get it in Luke too. But as Jesus is kind of going about his mission, oh, we talked about this last week as well. No, that this is perfect. Remember we oh, this fits in perfectly with what we talked about last week. Okay. So if you didn't listen to us, go back and listen. But remember we talked about ossuaries and burying the dead and yeah. not looking back, not saying goodbye. Yeah. Why is Jesus giving all these very strict commands? It's there's no time to do this, there's no time to bury your father, there's no time to say goodbye, it's because he's on an urgent mission. And the, it's actually time sensitive. Because this, frankly, I mean, reading this, this is just everything I know about evangelization and sharing the gospel, this is actually bad advice. If somebody doesn't want to hear you, I mean, eventually you shake the dust off. But I mean, the, what's the best way to share the gospel? It's not just to kind of hit them with the shotgun approach and throw the gospel at them. It's to get to know them. It's to be part of their lives. It's to, you know, gain the right to be heard, all of this stuff. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, go for it. Give them the message. If they don't, if they take it, great. If they don't, get out. What is he doing? Well, we know that historically speaking, he's on a pretty, he's in the Jewish regions at this point. And he's sending them among the Jews. And the Jewish people are very intent at this point on waging an ill-fated war against the nation of Rome which Jesus knows they're not going to win. This is why he keeps saying, turn the other cheek, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In other words, don't go to a war against the Romans because your job is actually to convert them and to evangelize them. Everybody wants to make this war. So I think Jesus is in such a hurry because he knows he has a deadline to get this message out, that you are to be a different kind of people. Jesus isn't against, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what Jesus' take on this. I mean, I don't think war is objectively bad, necessarily. I think there could be places and times. But Jesus is saying, this one's no good. This is a bad idea. This is not what you were called to do. You're a different kind of a people. But I think it's simply urgent that they have to do it now. And if they don't listen, you've got to get to the rest of the people. So shake the dust off and move on. Because this is going to happen in 30 years. And it does. And yeah. most of, uh, a tremendous amount of Jewish people are killed in this war. Yeah. Uh, as far as far as um uh 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 the 72 we actually have with Moses <laughs> I'm coming back to this nice. I I could I couldn't Good. leave it no. um Moses I saw uh, you looking up something. Uh, <laughs> something in there Yeah he received an outpouring of the spirit remember on the 70 who were in the camp and there were two there was and there were two out, who were outside of the camp who received the spirit as well Oh wow Isn't that phenomenal Wow yeah, I totally forgot about that. And then, then you also have New Exodus. It's the New Exodus. It's the New Exodus. It's a, <laughs> Seventy-two. Yeah, Yahtzee. We Yahtzee. found it. 
Uh, dude. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, and so El Dad and Me Dad took us up to seventy-two, <laughs> man. El Dad and Me Dad. That's that's me, Dad, for you. One thing I just have to point out because I I do love this gospel story. We jump again. It's one of those. It's another one of those cases in which the church has us jump over a section, and you know it says shake the dust off your foot because it'll be more tolerable for Sod- for Sodom than for that town. Then it jumps ahead to what verse 17 it says then the 72 returned they were rejoicing and they told him all about what happened in between you have this kind of litany of all the places that are cursed tyre and sidon you 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 good for nothing good for nothing suckers it takes that out but here's what i thought was interesting because the god like i said I'm, i'm more familiar with this the version of the story in mark mark does actually something similar so he has the story of all the all the disciples being sent out to do all these things and then it jumps back to showing them coming back but it also jumps and in between the sending out of the 72 and the coming back of the 72, do you remember what Mark slams right in the middle of that story? No. You and I both love the Gospel of Mark. I love it's it. one of our it, favorites. And, and this is actually one of Mark's special techniques is his yes. ability to actually do, do the sandwich. The Mark and sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't remember no, what, that's okay. what the meat is on that one. So on that one, so he sends the disciples out. They come back later. In the middle is this seemingly random story about the beheading of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's beheading is, is shoved in the middle of the sending out and the coming back of the disciples. And you read it and you're like, what is that supposed to mean? Okay, he's sending these disciples out to preach the gospel. Oh, by the way, John the Baptist had his head cut off because of Herod and he spoke against his, his brother's wife and Herodias and da 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 da. Yeah. Oh, and then the seven do come back and they're rejoicing and everything's great. What's it doing? Well, what is a Mark and Sandwich supposed to do? It's supposed to use parallel stories to sandwich together a, a, a tremendous meaning. So what Mark is actually trying to show you in this exact same story, if we're going to be the kind of disciples who go out to the world, yeah. we just might get our heads cut off. And we might actually have to suffer. And it could be painful. Because look, this is what happens to John the Baptist. It's slammed right in the middle of that story so that you can't read about the going out of the disciples and they're spreading the gospel without being struck face to face with the martyrdom of John the Baptist. Hmm. Which I just thought was profound. I was actually expecting it when I read when I was when I was going back to see what's in the yeah. middle here, and it's not. It's just cursing of a bunch of cities. But. Well, yeah. Well, and then Jesus. I mean, like they're freaking out. They're loving the fact that the Lord has has the Spirit is upon them, and that they've been given they've been clothed yeah. with power from on on high. And yeah. Jesus, he says something. He says, "I observed Satan falling fall like lightning from the sky." Which, yeah. by the way. You're here live because the internet got knocked out at Waitiwa. I got a lightning strike in my house. Near your house. Yeah, I know. Thankfully, it was just random, man. It was crazy. That's, so I had to drive down to Boulder. And so, I got to drive down to Boulder. Hey! Be in the basement. Be in the basement in the hill. And, I love it. But, but he saw Satan fall from the sky, and he says, I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. So essentially what he's saying is like, He's like, I, there, there's a certain amount of, of suffering and, and danger that you're going to be put in. You might get beheaded. Hmm. You might get, you might actually have to struggle. So don't be afraid because the full force of the, because uh, the nothing will harm you. Don't rejoice because the spirits are subject to you. Yeah. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. But, but simultaneously... As the disciples are going out, spreading the word of God. We also know if you read the rest of the Gospels, what are they doing when they go out? They're performing exorcisms, just like Jesus is doing. And what's Jesus saying here? Well, as they're going out, Jesus actually is seeing Satan terrified and running away. 
oh. falling from heaven and hightailing it out because that's how powerful it is when people actually go out in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan takes off. Dude, that's awesome. Beautiful. And and but the rejoicing is not in that, but in your right. names written in heaven. Right. And I was talking to Father Brady, and uh, he he was just uh, we were having a, a fairly deep conversation, and how he was he started to just he was talking about how how amazing it would be how when the names are read in heaven at the consummation of all things and how much you you, you know what i mean it's, it's like it's yeah. like you'd hear you think of a stadium and they say you know john elway and they're like yeah! greatest quarterback of all time incidentally Woo-hoo! and like but then but then and then he was like because he, he he thought of that because he did the um he did what does it mean to have a name in the midst oh, of cool. uh and then with the first eucharistic prayer which is like peter yeah Paul, James, John, Thomas, yes. Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, totally. Linus, Cletus, Clemens, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John, and Paul, Cosmos, and Damien. It's also the Eucharistic prayer that throws in Melchizedek and Abel and all the, these kind of highlight reel from the Old Testament. Yes. Right? Isn't that the Eucharistic prayer? Yeah, yeah. And, and all yeah. of, so it's like all of these names being proclaimed yeah. and it's like, that's what we, I just hit my headphones. I, I and, um, cause I'm shaking my fist in the air and like, rah, cheering. Um, because that's what we're spo- we're meant to re- rejoice in, yeah. and, and like, because that's that is because the goal, mm-hmm. the goal is not just merely the destruction and the conquering of sin and slavery to right. to the evil one, but it's the promised land. Right. Our names are written in heaven. We yeah, did it. We did it. Yeah. Freedom for freedom for promised land of heaven. That's awesome, dude. The spirit works. He does. Friends. Friends. This is it. Yeah, we love you. Happy word on the hill <laughs> day. Um, yeah, happy word on the hill day. That makes me happy. That's today is word on the hill day for us. Word on the hill this day. We... Yay. Send us an email. Thank you guys at thomascenter.org. Dot org. Dot org. I'll get it by the time I reach puberty. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Find us on Facebook. Say a prayer for us that we may make a holy podcast and that the, the souls um, that hear us would be enjoying it and love the Lord more. And that Satan would retreat. And that our names would be written in heaven. Ultimately. Indeed. Thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next week. Peace out. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.